Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Matthew, it's been a good week to start. School's in session. Yes, it is. I dropped my uh, my son off today for his first day. It's a half day, but at least, um, you know, he's back in school. He likes school. He likes being organized. Uh, and I was talking about that last week. Um, yeah, we were me, me and you were talking earlier before, you know, it's the start of school season for kids or, or those still in school. Uh, but we were talking about just, yeah, how are, how are you adults or, you know, not people not in school anymore? How are you educating yourself? Um, yeah, what do you what do you do for learning? I don't know. What do you, yeah, yeah, that's an it is an interesting question because right, I mean, you typically think of learning as yeah, that's what we did in school, but learning should be something that we do throughout our lives. It should be something that we're constantly asking questions of, you know, what does that mean or or how do I get better at that or, you know, how how do I how do I improve in this area? But the question is, all right, if you're not in school, what does that look like for adults? How do we yeah. how do we do that? Yeah, maybe listening to this podcast, uh, yeah, reading books. Um, sometimes attending classes or or seminars over the um, over summer and extended period, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm I was kind of envious of my son this morning dropping him off, and he's got this curriculum, and he's going through mm. you know this this year of learning and growing, and I'm like, huh, you know, I need to start focusing on that for for myself, and and that's it's what we do here, you know, it's what we do with our, our clients, and we're always learning and growing, and yeah. and. Uh, and preparing, especially you know, for this podcast and for our meetings. But yeah, I thought it was an interesting um, kind of a, a, a like a taking me back, yeah. taking me back to my school days. So. Yeah, and it's it is cool. We are excited for kids. You know, if you have kids, it is um, you know I have a, a lot of friends in our church that have young kids, and like you said, it's it's a you know new season this this fall yep. going back into school, new rhythms. Um, and so yeah, we we are excited for you, even if you have grandkids. That's right. Uh, that is a fun season. So man, just enjoy this season. Enjoy this the next couple months of of starting school. Yes, yes. And by the way, I'm Zach Albanese. I'm a financial advisor, and I've been in the financial advisor industry for about three years now. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a, an advisor here at the firm, and have been here for about four years now. Look at that. And so we're excited to have you uh, listen to us. Today on our weekly show, we are um, exclusively uh, up every week and um, fr- uh, on Friday afternoon. So you can find our show on our website through moneymd.net or on iTunes or whatever podcast service you listen to uh, anywhere in the world. You know, also check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link uh, to us to ask us questions uh, or find some of our previous shows, which we we were trying to plug our previous shows in the past week in the past week because it really is speaking about education, mm-hmm. a wealth of financial education and just looking through um, time at how we discuss certain things in certain events. So anyway, um, we're going to start out this show with our financial fact of the week. And this financial fact has come hot off the presses because inflation data for July has is lower than it was in, in June. So I think that the reason this was interesting uh, to us is because this is the first dip really since the end of 2020. There were some um, minor dips, maybe a 0.1 uh, percentage uh, dip, but this is the first over 50 pa- basis point dip 
since the end of 2020, which is almost two years ago. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and we saw the inflation, what, at point oh, you know, 0.3% oh, right. back yeah, in during May the, of 2020, the yeah, pandemic. During the pandemic. So, I mean, yeah. We just saw very low numbers, you know, just two years ago. And so we've seen that steady increase that, you know, we've all been feeling at the pumps mm-hmm. and in grocery stores and uh, house prices and all that. But we are seeing positive news that says, hey, actually, gas prices are coming down nationwide. Home prices are coming down what we're seeing with the supply chain, with grocery stores, uh, that is um, all helping the inflation numbers. So, yeah, positive news, inflation numbers. Positive news, yeah, inflation, which we're, yeah, we're not used to for almost two years. And so I think the hope here is that that inflation has peaked in June and that we're going to hopefully see uh, kind of a steady um, declining back to a kind of a healthy rate of that 2 to 3% that, that the Fed talks about trying to get to. But, um, uh, yeah, it was good news, good news to share with you this week and uh, that's our financial fact and so today we've got um, two uh, articles to discuss uh, the first one we'll address is is talks about if you're worried about the economy here's what you can do and it just kind of goes through a few topics about what um, yeah what you can do in the midst of this time without feeling like you're stuck and then yeah. Matthew what, what will you be uh, talking about a little later yeah, so the second article will be about donor-advised funds. And if you are a client, I'm sure you've heard us talk about this. It's a very common topic that we discuss with clients, but this is uh, this is a way um, to donate to a charity but also get a tax deduction um, that may be pretty substantial. We've had clients um, do some pretty large numbers in this. We'll get into the details in that, but it's a, yeah. it's a really good article. All yeah, right. yeah. so that's our, our show looking forward. And um, the first uh, thing we'll jump into is that the first piece um, – titled, If You're Worried About the Economy, Here's What You Can Do. This is from Wall- the Wall Street Journal. And um, yeah, I found it interesting just giving you a few things to do in the midst of a difficult season. Um, and so, you know, we talk about inflation being near its highest levels in, in really decades. Um, we saw a second quarter decline in, in gross domestic product, which, you know, that, that was reported last month. And that's really stoked recession fears amongst some corporate chiefs, uh, economists, and really Americans in general. And consumers are feeling the punch of rising prices um, as some job seekers are questioning how tight the labor market really is. But the data keeps coming in that says it is hot. Reports just came out uh, earlier this week that U.S. employers added 520,000 jobs in July. So I think people are worried because there's there's mixed news going on here, right? We talked about inflation. We talked about uh, jobs. and, And I think it's okay... For people to be worried in one sense because that's natural and and i think there are some things you can do even if you find yourself in that camp um if you if you do find yourself worried so anyway what are some some things we can do matthew yeah so the first one here is um you know it might sound self-serving or, or obvious but you know just talking to a client last night actually that wasn't sure if they should do this but the first one is to get a raise yeah uh, if you can so although some economists are warning of a recession. Job growth is holding strong, as you just mentioned. Uh, the U.S. added, you know, over five hundred thousand jobs in July. Right. Wages are still growing, especially for those who are switching jobs. Um, so one thing you can do if you're still working is is asking for a raise. This is always a great thing to ask for, but uh, there's an extra urgency now that inflation, you know, is higher than it's been in the recent years. Uh, you know, typical raise is is four and a half percent. On average, but with inflation in the eight to nine percent range, um, you know, consider asking for more. Consider asking your employer and saying, "Hey, you know, this is a tough time, and and you know, I've been here. 
uh, or maybe I'm valuable and, and to get in line with, with where things are in the economy, yeah. I'm, I'm asking for more. Um, but we would encourage you to determine ahead of time what number um, you're going you're gonna to ask for by doing your research and then prepare what you'll say. I remember that you do have bargaining power given that turnover is expensive and it's easier yeah. for companies to maintain current employees and maybe pay a little bit more than to go out and try to find new hires. So that is something you can kind of keep in your pocket and say, hey, you know, you can keep me. This is a good fit for you know, where I am, but I'm asking for you know, a little bit more in, in my paycheck. Yeah, this next one is uh, is is about. Or it, it's interesting. Don't. The next point is don't look away from your finances. So the first part of that is don't forget to pay your bills. You know, even if you're worried about money, don't look away. More people are forgetting. I found this interesting. More mm. people are forgetting to pay their bills and do financial chores due to stress or money problems, which can result in damage to your credit score um, or in higher rates or because of late payment fees. You know, really can just. It, it can affect your overall financial situation worse off than than what the recession can do if that comes. And even when uh, the, the economy levels out, you can find yourself in a worse situation. So using strategies to ease this hassle, things like automate payments, um, give priority to your bills and scheduling time in your calendar. You know, I know for me, automating payments is, is huge. Yeah. It's crucial. I don't have to worry or think about those things. Right. You know, I, I have my budget. I'm meticulous with that. That's enough for me to maintain. And I just know that everything in terms of when things are due is going to happen. I'm never worried about out, out, uh, an outstanding bill mm. um, or anything that could hurt kind of my, uh, my credit score, something like that. Uh, the next thing, though, looking away might be good at is uh, looking away from your 401k. <laughs> okay. Because checking balances <clears throat> too frequently when markets... <clears throat> excuse me, when markets decline um, really can lead to some bad decisions and more losses over time. It's really just not prudent to check your 401k so often, especially during downturns. But I would even add, even during uh, good seasons, mm. checking it every day doesn't paint the right picture that investing for the long term is supposed to. Investing for the long term is, is, is the prudent way to invest. Um, it is, um, you know, I guess, proven as well. And when you look at it every day, especially during bear markets, especially during downturns, it's just going to emotionally uh, terrorize you. Yeah. So don't look at your 401k um, every day. I mean, check it once a month at, when the statements come. And I think that's a healthy way to look at it because uh, the point of investing really is to do it for the long term, um, whether markets are up or down. So anyway, that's one uh, another point. Um, what are some other tips here, Matthew? Yeah, the, the next one is to not panic, sell, or buy. There are three common mistakes to avoid a possible downturn. Avoid panic selling your investments, uh, but also resist the urge to go on an investment spree because you think prices have hit rock bottom. For younger investors, it may be a good time to buy stocks at a discount, to buy equities at a discount, but nobody knows how long a downturn will last. We can have some idea based on history, but there's no certainty as to the length. So right, yeah. it's, to, it's to take advantage of the ups and downs, but to not go crazy in that. It's also important to recognize economic conditions may be shifting. So don't drain your emergency fund for debts or things you don't need. Um, you know, Try not to add fixed costs, anything that comes with monthly payments, such as a new car or a new home in case your income changes. So you know, these are just some things to, to consider. It doesn't mean you shouldn't pay off debt with cash. It just means... Hey, maybe you should evaluate how, how right. stable is your job. Do you have two incomes in your household that if you paid off this debt with your emergency fund, um, you're not putting your family in jeopardy. So it's really just saying consider 
you know, where you are and to think rationally, not to panic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Um, this next one is, uh, if you get laid off during this season, tell everyone. I found this tell one really everyone. interesting. Yeah. Tell everyone, you know, let people know that, that you, you're in the situation. And I think oftentimes when you get laid off, we want to keep it private. Yeah. We want to only tell a few people, maybe our, obviously our family and then some loved ones, but, um, but telling more and more people, especially in the days with, um, you know, social media, things like LinkedIn, people are always looking for new hires. And especially if you got laid off because of recession or some sort of downturn and not because of something performance related. Well, I think your prospect of finding a new job that's similar is actually, is actually really high. And mm -hmm. the more people you tell, um, the more people can get their feelers out there for you. So yeah, if you get laid off, <clears throat> tell everyone, you never know who might be looking for kind of the skill set that you have. Yeah, for sure. And kind of on that same note, um, you know, thinking through if you're even just unhappy with your job or it's just a good time to change, um, you know, with those millions of jobs that are available and employee, employers are trying to fill them, you know, now might be a good time to start looking for another job if, if, yep. you're, if you're looking to change. But before you plunge headfirst into that, um, you know, read the fine print on the job listings. Things like remote work um, can be really exciting, but as many uh, more companies try to pressure employees back into offices, they're still tagging job postings with these, you know, special benefits like remote work. Right. But right. They, they may or may not last. So just understanding, hey, you know, this may be a good time to look for another job, making sure you understand what that job is. Um, but now during, you know, all this movement and fluctuations in the economy, it could be a very good time to look look at a different job. Yeah, you know, and if, if even if the job looks good on paper, you know, do your own research <clears throat> to see, um, you know, who you'll be working with. You know, a, a good job on paper may look great, but then when you know who your boss is or what your work environment looks like, it might be toxic. It really might not be worth the pay or benefit increase. So, you know, there are some things you can do to manage that environment. But if you really, if you're enjoying your job, to the flip side of what Matthew was saying, but it might not be, kind of where you are at with your or what your desire for your pay um, working extra hard at one of the earlier points about asking for a raise might be worth the extra effort because finding a good workplace environment <clears throat> is um, oftentimes harder than finding uh, a job that you enjoy so anyway uh, just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it's going to work out um, <clears throat> for you so ask those uh, additional questions so you know the news of a potential recession can be alarming but I think overall stay encouraged that no matter what happens, there's always decisions that you can make to ease some of the roughness. So if you have further questions, please don't hesitate to reach us, uh, reach out to us about this. We're always happy to, to help our, you know, our clients think through these difficult questions. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Zach, that was the close of the article, but just a quick question for you. Yeah. Just like thinking through work-life balance. Do you have any wisdom or like how would you encourage someone if they are working 60 hours a week and they don't necessarily need to, but they feel like they have to from their job standpoint, but they're maybe neglecting their family. What would be just some thoughts on that? I don't know if you've thought through that any um, or just encouragement for clients. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think, you know, going to your, uh, the, the last point about just telling everyone, I think just sharing your situation. I think a lot of times we are, we might be afraid or, um, you know, uncertain if we can ask for certain flexibilities mm -hmm. in our work. For this, especially for the sake of family or for kids or right. you know whatever your home situation is, um, but also talk with your your family, your spouse. See what is expected. See what um, mm. they they expect of you and what's healthy. 
because a lot of times I think, yeah, we just don't, we just don't like to share. We don't want to create conflict, but oftentimes you need a, mm-hmm. a little, that little nudge in order to um, kind of get to the, uh, the root of the problem or, or, and eventually the, the solution. So I think, yeah, just ask, ask questions and don't be afraid to share, um, you know, what, what your needs are. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's good. So communicate, over communicate, yeah. talk with people, your wife, your boss, <laughs> your kids. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great advice. Yeah. So that was a, that was a good piece from Wall Street Journal. And now we're going to move on to the, the question of the week. Yeah. The question, um, great question came from a client, um, earlier this week. Uh, this is a question. My wife and I want to add on to our house, but also pay off our mortgage. Should we pay off our house in three years and pull out a loan for the add-on, or should we save in cash for the add-on and keep the original mortgage another seven to nine years? So really the question is, you know, do you pay off debt now or do you get debt in the future? Yeah. Very interesting question. Um, I actually ran this by another advisor in the firm just because I, I, it's a good question. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's not one right way to do this, but an encouragement would be to keep the current mortgage to build up cash so you don't go into more debt. Right. And really the, the thinking behind that is the, the interest rate on the mortgage that you currently have is a known interest rate. It is a, it is right. a payment that you can afford yep. that's built into the budget. Uh, and so saving for cash for an additional add-on um, is, is basically taking that, um, that interest rate increase off the table because you're saving in cash and you're going to pay for that in cash. So, th- you know, you could do this different ways. You could pay off your mortgage and then, you know, pull out a loan for that uh, add-on. But, you know, our encouragement would be to keep the keep the mortgage, uh, build cash, and then pay for that. The other option is you build cash and in three years, you're like, hey, I really hate this mortgage. Then you can just pull out of the cash, yeah. pay off the mortgage, and That's pull right. out a loan for the add-on. So cash just gives you flexibility that's then not locked up in your equity in your house. Yeah. No, I think it's, that's a good response um, and a very uh, practical question. Probably uh, many are asking in this time. So. Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Good question of the week. Yeah. So now, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about donor-advised funds. So Matthew, take it away. Yeah. So donor advised fund, um, it's a, it's a, uh, account that you can contribute to and get an immediate tax deduction. Um, but we're going to be asking, you know, what is a donor advised fund and how does it work? Uh, donor advised fund is an account where you can deposit assets for donation to a charity over time. The donor gets a tax deduction, like I said, immediately. Uh, and then you can distribute that to the charity as you see fit. A sponsoring organization manages the account. It's like a custodian like Schwab or Fidelity or, you know, a custodian like that. The donor recommends how to invest the assets and where to donate them. Typically, once assets are deposited into this fund, the sponsoring organization has legal control over them, meaning it has to go to a nonprofit once it enters a donor advised mm-hmm. fund. So you want to be careful that you don't put just you know flippantly money in there that you might need later. Right. But it's a good account that you can you can donate to charities at any point that you like. Yeah. In addition to uh, providing financial support to charities, donor advised funds can provide more immediate income tax deductions for donors, as well as potentially reduced capital gains taxes and estate taxes. Possible benefits of donor-advised funds um, include tax deductions. You know, you can claim a tax deduction in the year you contribute assets to the donor-advised fund rather than in the year the contribution goes to the charity. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for example, if you typically donate, let's say, $3,000 a month to charity, which is $36,000 a year, you could essentially prepay, let's say, five years worth of donations by putting in $180,000 into a donor advised fund. Now, the donor advised fund would use the money to disperse $3,000 a month to the charity as usual, but 
you're actually going to get that deduction this year mm -hmm. instead of let's say $36,000 every year for the next five years. So getting a giant deduction in one year could be worth more than a smaller annual deduction depending on your, your situation. Yeah, and that, um, you know, one question for that is you really have to hurdle the standard deduction. So the standard deduction, you know, That's is, right, yeah. is 25, if you're married, it's 25,000 to 27,000 roughly. So you have to hurdle that every year in order to itemize to get a, a benefit for donating to a charity on your taxes. Right. So that is where if you can, you know, have a larger, um, you know, itemized deduction in one year by bunching charitable contributions mm -hmm. with a donor advised fund, it can be very beneficial. Yeah. And then still you can, like you said, donate once a month to your church or to your charity that you like. So you can still have that flexibility of where yeah, the Yeah, there's goes. nice flexibility there. It just provides that benefit. Mm-hmm. Another another uh, benefit would be lowering capital gains tax. So you won't pay capital gains tax on assets that you put in the donor advised fund. And if you donate assets that are worth more than what you originally paid for them, you typically can deduct the current market value of the assets rather than what you originally paid for uh, the assets. So uh, this is the case if you have a highly appreciated stock. And let's say you bought Apple way back when and it's appreciated so much and you don't want to sell it and have the capital gains. Mm -hmm. You can donate Apple to your donor advised fund. It steps up the basis and you don't pay any any gains. So instead of giving cash to a charity, then you would give this, you know, appreciated Apple stock that is then sold in cash in the donor advised fund and it goes to a charity. So yeah. it's kind of technical, but it is a way to reduce capital yeah. gains tax. Mm -hmm. uh, there's other ways to reduce estate taxes um, that you can donate to that. And then you know your your assets will be left to this donor advised fund instead of your heirs. So yeah, there, there's a lot of tax benefits if you are charitably inclined. That's right. Yeah, and also another uh, benefit is leaving a legacy of get, of giving. So when you're doing estate planning, you can make a bequest in your will. So any remaining assets in your donor advised fund are donated to your charities of choice after you die. There's also the option to pass the assets to heirs so they can take the philanthropy mantle that, that you started and start giving grants to charities that, that cool. they want to support, yeah, which, which is really cool. Um, some people like donor advised funds because it, it provides uh, anonymity um, when you donate. You can choose to withhold your identity. Uh, you can gift grants anonymously if you don't want to be solicited for future donations or you just don't want your donations to become um, public knowledge. So I think that's that's also important for people, especially if you're giving maybe a large sum of money to not yeah. to not make people approach you or look at you differently. You just want to be generous with your funds. It's a great way uh, way to do that. Yeah, for sure. So a question of um, some of the details of of what can you invest. There are some deduction limits um, mm -hmm. you know, as far as the percentages of your AGI that you can get a deduction for each year. Um, so if it's cash or if it's an appreciated asset, it can go from 30% to 60%, depending on the asset. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's very technical. Um, if you do have questions, please ask us. We'd be happy to help. But some of the assets that you can donate to this donor advised fund are cash, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, private company stock, cryptocurrencies, life insurance. It's a lot that can go into this donor advised fund. And like you said, Zach, you can also donate IRAs and 401ks after you die. You can leave... Um, you can leave as a beneficiary of this donor advice fund and essentially no one pays taxes on that pre-tax money uh, that is in there. So that is, right. a, that is a great way yeah. To, yeah, that's a good tip. To, to leave money there. Um, so how to invest. Uh, step one, compare donor advice fund uh, custodians. Compare and see what are the values of each custodian and what are the ups and downs. Um, and then, you know, really thinking through, um, you know, how are you going to be able to access it? So which of these custodians have easier 
uh, you know, client interface that you'll be able to get on there and set up the distributions to the charities. And most of them are pretty similar and pretty good, but that would be the first step is picking a custodian. Yeah, the second step um, to contribute cash or other assets to the donor advised fund. So like uh, Matthew, you're saying you contribute cash, stocks, investments, um, even your your ownership in a private business. So um, the one thing to note is that contributions are irrevocable, meaning that once you contribute the assets, you can't get them out again. So make sure it is something you want to do. And um, there are several steps in the process that make sure they tell you that they're irrevocable. That's a good thing to know, though. Uh, another step is to itemize your taxes to get the tax break. We talked about knowing the standard deduction, knowing that you to take, get tax break, you do need to itemize. And so that means filling out the Schedule A when you do your taxes, making sure that your itemized deductions exceed the standard deduction limit to get the most bang for your donated bucks. Um, so uh, yeah, you receive your tax break in the year that you contribute to Donor Advised Fund. And so in case you're curious about limitations on deductions, you can deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income for cash contributions. If you're contributing securities or appreciating assets to your donor advised fund, you can deduct up to 30% of your uh, adjusted gross income. If you aren't able to get your full deduction in a single year, you typically have five years to claim the unused deductions as we were uh, talking about before. Yeah, so it's like a rolled over benefit. Yep. So it's a good account. Um, this this um, next step, there's, there's only two more, but this next one is to help your donation grow. So you may or may not be aware, but once money goes into a donor advised fund, we typically would not recommend just sitting it in cash. It's like right. um, it's like your your mutual funds with us. They you know they can be invested in the in the stock market. So that is a way to not only give to a charity, but uh, to give to you know the charities, but also to be growing over time. So let's say you put in yeah. fifty thousand into this donor advice fund. By the way, the minimum typically is five thousand to open a donor advice fund. Mm-hmm. It can be less, but that's around the average. So let's just say you put in fifty thousand and you're distributing four thousand a year. I would take four years, you know, if it was in cash, but we would encourage you um, a thousand, thousand a month. It would take four years. Uh, we would encourage right. you to possibly have it invested so it can be growing over those four years. And, and maybe the charity has more at the end of those years. So to have it invested uh, in the stock market and mutual funds and ETFs and, um, you know, would be a good way to steward that money that is in that donor advised fund. So probably don't let it just sit there in cash unless you're going to distribute it in the next year or two. Yeah, to have that have that be growing for for your charities. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great benefit. And the uh, final step here to how to invest in a donor advised fund is to pick the charities you want to support. Right. You know, you you've you've opened the account, you've put the money in, you have it invested in growing, um, and then now really, you know, what's what is the end goal of the process is to find charities um, that you want to support, and you can support pretty much any IRS qualified public charity. You know, typically the entity that supports the donor advised fund is responsible for checking out charities to ensure that the money goes to legit ones. And you also can support ones that then aren't listed there. Um, you just input tax IDs, you input information, and new new charities get added to it. And they'll vet them and, and do all that due diligence on their end. But you can you can think of charities that, um, yeah, what, what are you for? What are you about? What do you want to support and see flourish because of uh, your hard work and your money? So um, yeah, Matt, Matthew. Yeah, it's you know it is a good account. Um, you know, churches. Um, if if you go to church or if you just donate, um, they can be blessed um, by that by you know coming out of your check account or or coming out of this donor advised fund. So yeah, it can be a good account for for people. So great article. If you do have questions, I know that's a lot of detail, and we just went over that yeah. very quickly. 
uh, please ask us. We we obviously hope you can tell we love talking about this stuff. We love helping people, mm-hmm. especially with charities and donating and being generous and teaching people that, yeah, there is there is so much joy in giving rather than receiving. So if we yeah. can help you do that, please just ask a question. We'd be happy to do that. All Absolutely. Right. And then to wrap up. What um, do we got? What do we got? We have the prescription we do. of the week. Prescription of the week. And Matthew, I'm going to let you handle this prescription. Yeah, so the prescription is a good one. Um, it's an interesting one, um, but we have just gone through a lot in our last four years of our nation. Just a lot going on with right. um, just a lot of stuff in the news, a lot of stuff you've heard, a lot of things people have said. So the prescription is this. Be careful when you see a data point or statistics. Statistics can be helpful, yep. but they can also be manipulated to lean towards the biases of the author. So, That's right. You know, we, we, we even struggle with this in, in our profession. We see, I don't. We see, you don't. Okay. No, I don't. That was no. a broad, that was a blanket statement. I'm sorry, Zach. <laughs> I was kidding. But when you see an article and it says, you know, the, the worst six months in you yeah. know, the first start of this year ever, and, and, and you can see that and, and almost panic and say, right. oh my goodness, this is not good. Yeah, the worst six months for a start of year ever. Oh my goodness. But then, yeah. then you dive down and you're like, okay, this is not the worst six months. This is the worst start to the six months. Yeah. Year, it just, it just so happened that it, it, started, it started in January, January 3rd or 4th. Yeah. The end of June. So yep. the, the point is to not discount facts or truth or empirical evidence, but it's just to examine yeah, dig, it. And, dig a little more. Don't let it, don't let it right. yeah, affect your emotions immediately. Let it, let, let it be vetted. Let other people speak into it. And then, yeah, learn from, from learn from the true statistics. Yeah, I think it's a, this is very good practical advice. Yeah, not just for financial statistics, but any but any statistics. So just yeah, maybe maybe look three different three or four different places before you formulate an an opinion. Um, just to to say, hey, is that is that data point being used um, properly? Yeah, properly. Is it is it pushing a different agenda? Or what what do we do with that? Yeah. And so that's that's what we strive to do. Although Matthew, as you said, we we can get. Um, fooled by by data points as well so i think yeah do your research ask more questions yep. uh dig in a little more uh but that's a that's a really good prescription uh for this week and so sad to say it but this is is that this it this is this is goodbye now yeah yeah oh, this man. has been uh this week's edition of money md uh, but you can tune in next week uh, on moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health check out our website moneymd.net Send us your questions. Give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0735. Thanks for listening. It's been a joy and have a great weekend. Take care. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.